baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Annie and Elston, hour three of the program. It is not Annie nor Elston. It is Braden Suprenant filling in for the final two hours of the program. Got a lot of fun stuff to talk about here on the show. Again, big thanks to Annie for helping out today. She's very busy this time. She's doing a great job of planning the Salute to Champions dinner. And she's been all over the place in meetings and scheduling events and talking to people that are going to be there and getting the invite. I mean, so many things go into planning a major event like that that she's been a part of for the last couple of years and has done an excellent job in doing all of those things and it takes up a lot of time we knew about this you know before the show started in a couple of weeks ago and you know full support to to annie and we want to help her out as much as possible craig a little bit under the weather today um he started to sound a little little under the weather yesterday and got to make sure he's rested up ready to go so while craig is getting better and hopefully will be joining us Later on in the week, and Annie out working and hustling and grinding for the best of the city of San Diego from a sports standpoint. I, Braden Suprenant, will be leading the way for the next two hours leading up to Gwyn and Chris. Got a big Aztec basketball game tonight as they take on Colorado State up in Fort Collins. I'm going to talk about that later on, the 12th. 30 segments. So at 12.30, we'll break down the San Diego State Aztecs. Joe Lenardi put out his latest bracketology. I've been, I have been such a supporter of Lauren Arty for a long time, and this year for some reason he is disrespecting the frogs. But that's a different topic for a different day. But I, I as of right now, San Diego State in a very good spot in a conference, the Mountain West Conference that is going to have potentially more automat more bids to the NCAA tournament than the ACC. And the Pac-12 combined. I'm going to say that again. The Mountain West Conference might have more teams in the NCAA tournament than the ACC and the Pac-12 combined. If I were to tell you that 10 years ago, nobody would believe me. That San Diego State would be in a conference that would be getting more bids than conferences that had UCLA and Arizona and USC and Oregon and conference with Duke, North Carolina, NC State, and the Tobacco Road Conference, basically the ACC. It's really remarkable. We'll get into that in a little bit. We talked a little bit of Padres in the first couple of hours. I have said for a long time this offseason, I have been concerned about the Padres moving forward. I really have. About Maybe their financials about way things are shaping up, you know some of the moves that have been made during this off season. I've then since had some conversations with some people in the know, and I'm here to say I, I it might be time to pump the brakes a little bit on the panic button because of what the free agent market is like because of what the Padres need to do this season financially to be able to reset for future years, and because of 
that continuation of seeing Peter Seidler's vision through from his family. I'm just here to say, I don't think this year, I don't think this year for the Padres, it might be a little setback in payroll. It might be you know, a little bit less sexy during the offseason. I don't think that's going to be the norm here in San Diego. As Annie put it earlier in the show, of us Padres fans eating hamburger, and then A.J. Preller and Peter Seidler slapping a steak, nice filet on our plate, I don't think they're going to pull a fast one and put the hamburger back on, as much as it may look like that right now. Another topic we'll get into. We've thrown out the idea. I mean, we talked about it with Dennis Lynn, his survey he had. And the big question, of course, with the Padres is whether or not you trade Hassan Kim at this point in time. And a lot of Padres fans don't want to do that. I mentioned that on the Braden Supranet show over the weekend a couple weekends ago that I think it's the best business decision for the Padres to trade Hassan Kim before the season starts. And again, I haven't said I don't like Hassan Kim. I don't want Hassan Kim part of the team. It's not what I'm saying. Just from a business standpoint, he is the last luxury that you cannot afford. He is the last thing that is not tied down to the ship based on his contract. If you really want to reset the CBT, it's the last way you could possibly do that because, again, he's probably not going to be somebody you can afford at the end of the season. Or maybe you reset the CBT, you don't go after some of these players that are getting $10 million, some of these veterans that we have thrown out there to maybe take a chance on, which a lot of them are now starting to fly off the board. And maybe that resetting of the CBT is the reason to bring back Hassan Kim. Maybe they need to do that in order to give Hassan Kim a contract extension. Would you be willing to punt on the season, even though I don't think you're punting when you have those superstars? Would you be willing to punt on 2024 if it meant Hassan Kim re-signs with the Padres in the offseason going into 2025 and years on? That's a question we haven't talked about. Especially for a lot of people that love Hassan He's a fan favorite. He's a good ball player for the Padres. He's one of their better players. Would you be willing to punt on 2024 if it meant Hassan Kim was going to be on the team 2025 and beyond? I think a lot of Padres fans would probably say that. I would take my chances with this team that they have currently assembled and sign Hassan Kim during the offseason. If you really want Hassan Kim back. We did get some feedback on that on the stream with a lot of the the chats. We did have some of the people call in. We do have one phone call and we're going to get to her right now. Christy in San Diego wants to weigh in on the Hassan Kim topic. Christy, what's going on? You're on with Annie Nelson with Braden Soprano. Hello. I just want to keep Hassan Kim because I just love him and I think he's good for our team and I think he's only going to be better for our team. Even if the business decision is better to trade Hassan Kim, you're saying doesn't matter. He needs to be a part of the pods. Correct. I think he is our business, and we need to keep him in in the game on our team. All right, that's a good opinion. Well, we're we're, we're open to <laughs> all opinions here, Christy. I appreciate the uh, the phone call. You're getting some love in the YouTube chat. How about this question? Since we're playing hypotheticals. What if signing Hassan Kim guarantees the Padres won't win a World Series while he's a member of the Padres? You still want Hassan Kim? Now that is a dumb hypothetical. 
that's really where you're going to test your love affair for one player. But I understand. I mean, I think a lot of people that are Padres fans would think about that for a second just because they love Hassan Kim. I mean, that that point right there just goes to show what Hassan Kim means to the San Diego Padres, what he means to this fan base, how much they love him as a Padre. And we've seen a lot of fan favorites like that throughout the years of the San Diego Padres that they have parted ways with. And it's going to be tough the day that he no longer plays for the San Diego Padres, regardless if that is because of the Padres or if that's because of him getting a better deal in the future or maybe he retires a Padre. But he has established himself as one of the fan favorites of the San Diego Padres. I don't want to spend too much time on that. That seems to be a very big question of the offseason. And we got lots more to talk about on the show, obviously. But if you do want to join the show, 833-288-0973, 833-288-0973. We've got a lot of people that do want to weigh in on the Hassan Kim news. So we will get back to some of those phone calls. Again, as I mentioned, college basketball later on, the 1230 hour, or in 1230 spot of the show, San Diego State, big game tonight against Colorado State. I'll lay out everything that is on the line for that. And the last thing I do want to mention, before we get back to the phones, it happens a lot. And I, you know what? I'm totally for it. You got to be opinionated in this business. You got to be passionate. You got to be opinionated. You got to be knowledgeable. You got to be entertaining and you got to be relatable. That's what you, that it, when you do this job, those are the five things you got to do. It's poker, passionate, opinionated, knowledgeable, entertaining, and relatable. And so a lot of my opinions sometimes, especially in, critical and you got to be critical in this business as well got to be able to take criticism and you got to be able to criticize when it's necessary for certain players certain teams yada 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 but i do feel like a lot of criticism now for players for teams for organizations whatever it may be it seems like there are a lot of people that just assume that if you're critical about something, you're just a hater. And I've seen that. I mean, I saw that during the segment we're talking about the Super Bowl and the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. I went through and laid out some of the pros and cons of both teams. Got immediate reaction of, he hates the Chiefs. He hates the Niners. You guys are being haters. So what's the difference? Can you be critical without being a hater? I mentioned that with Brock Purdy. I don't hate Brock Purdy. I just don't think Brock Purdy is as good as the national media says. And I don't like buying into this national media narrative that if a quarterback has a successful season and wins football games, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And if he doesn't, he can't play in the league. He sucks. you got to get rid of him. It's the hot take culture that has led to this criticism versus hater. I'm not a hater because I don't think Brock Purdy is that good. It's a great story. It's a great story. Being Mr. Irrelevant playing quarterback for a a team in the NFL in the Super Bowl. But he's not that great. He's okay. He's okay. He's got a lot of weapons around him. The way I view quarterbacks, again, can he do it for somebody else? You know, you could play the hypothetical you know, if, is he better than C.J. Stroud? I don't think he's better than C.J. Stroud. You put C.J. Stroud on the on the Niners, are they better or worse? They're probably better. 
It's what you do with those players after he gets that big contract. You saw it with Mahomes, right? Mahomes is great on the rookie deal. He's got surrounded by talent. Surrounded by talent. Went to the Super Bowl. Has now won two Super Bowls. Got his big contract. Lost good players. And what is Mahomes doing? He's back in the Super Bowl. He's a good football player. In this era of quarterbacks, he is probably the best quarterback in the National Football League right now. And I don't think too many people argue with that. He definitely is. I don't think this era of quarterbacks is better than the era that just passed us with the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's and the Phillip Rivers and the Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers in his prime. I mean, you go down the list and almost every single team had a stellar quarterback. And I'm probably missing a handful. Now it's like two or three guys. But Mahomes has beaten the test. It's the same thing with Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. Rookie deal. Got to sign him, right? Got to sign him. He just brought us to the Super Bowl. He won us the Super Bowl with Baltimore. He's the future. He's our franchise quarterback. We got to make him the highest paid quarterback in the league. Otherwise, we'll lose him, and who knows what we'll be able to be. They give him that contract, and what did the Ravens do? Immediately went on a downward trajectory. Because Joe Flacco wasn't a franchise quarterback. He wasn't one of those guys that could carry a team when he has less around him because he's making all the money. Because in the NFL, you have a salary cap. So my question is, Mahomes passed the test. The question of Brock Purdy is, can he do that? If you make Brock Purdy the highest paid player on the San Francisco 49ers, and you got to make decisions on Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, and you got to make decisions on Fred Warner and Nick Bosa and Chase Young, because you can't keep all of those players, is Brock Purdy still a good quarterback? Is he still the elite quarterback that everybody talks about? I say no. But that doesn't make me a hater. I don't hate Brock Purdy. It's critical. It's criticism. But I don't hate Brock Purdy. We're going to talk more about that at about 1 o'clock. But I do want to get back into this Padres conversation. We are the flagship of the Padres. We talked about the Hassan Kim thing. 833-288-0973. Let's get out to the phones. If you want to mention it in the comments, you could do that as well. I have trying to track it as much as possible um, You know, with the YouTube comments. Uh, by myself. There are some good ones in there that I could go back and, and maybe bring up when we come back uh, in the next break. Do you want to get a couple phone calls in before we leave? Let's get out to Poway in North County, not East County. Adam in Poway. Adam, what's going on? Hey, what's up, everybody? First of all, shout out John Gutierrez. I miss you, bud. But uh, second, you know, I think it's a great idea to ship Ken. Um, you know, I think it's literally our last option. You know, I know he's one of our favorite Padres as of now and especially as of last year. But, I mean, you look at the season before last year, he was definitely not as good as last year. And I think a lot of people, he got a lot of hype this year because he was actually producing, which was great. And we needed him um, big time because nobody else was producing. But, I mean, do you think he's going to do it again next year? Personally, I don't think so. So, I mean, ship him out, bring in some new people, and let's get it going. That's all i got to say. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the phone call, Adam. Yes, 
Hassan Kim. Oh, that's the risky take with Hassan Kim, right? Can he continue the production over and over again? It's the same thing like we were talking about with Brock Purdy, right? I think the situation is a little bit different because in baseball, there is really no salary cap. I mean, there's a CBT that deters teams from spending a lot of money. But at the same time, they could still go over if they wanted to. I mean, they're, these teams are not necessarily hampered by the CBT, as you can see by other teams. And and the Dodgers know how to manipulate that as well. So, yeah, you know, I'm still in the camp of potentially trading Hassan Kim. You know, I, I think you could get some value out of him, especially if you want to reset the CBT. But I'd love to see him on the team, too. If the Padres can be able to afford him for what he's going to get paid, which, by the way, we talked about this before, he's getting a shortstop contract. He ain't getting a second-base contract. He's getting a shortstop contract. He has not accomplished the same as Xander Bogarts. In the grand scheme of things, he has not in his major league career accomplished as much as Xander Bogarts. But he's relatively around the same age going into his free agency as Xander was. You know, minus the World Series and some of the accolades that Xander had already won. But granted, he was with the league a little bit longer than Hassan Kim. And with inflation away contracts are going, he's probably going to get Xander Bogarts' contract from somebody. Can you give Hassan Kim a Xander Bogarts contract and be successful in the future? I don't think so either. I don't think that's the case, especially for a team that you know doesn't have the TV contract. We don't know what the money's going to be like. They're resetting the CBT. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't want to give him a Xander Bogart contract. I mean, if he, you know, under 150 million, yeah, sure, sign him up. But for what somebody is willing to pay for Hassan Kim is a lot different than what the Padres are willing to pay, and I think that is the biggest part of this conversation. We'll talk more about that when we come back. We'll get into some of your chats too. There was a good question asked in the chat that we'll talk about. When we come back, this is Annie, it's Elston, but Braden's running the show until Gwen and Chris coming up at 2 o'clock. San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Just one day, which didn't have to be so bad. Wendy Clear, Blink-182. I added my own songs to the list as much as the... Let me get my backpack out of the view. I did my own songs to the um, the the rejoiners too, and a lot of these are on the Braden's Apprentice show on the weekends, which I'll be on back on Sunday from eight to ten, the original time I was supposed to be on um, until the Super Bowl. Obviously, that's going to be a, a a little bit of a change, so it'll be Sunday at normal time, eight to ten. Saturday up to the Super Bowl, I'll be back on, and then after the Super Bowl, it will be. 8 to 10 every single Sunday through the baseball season, through college football and the NFL. It'll be a good spot for us to have local programming on 97.3 The Fan on the weekends. It's going to be great for the Padres season. It'll be a little tweener between the pre-pre-show as you get a little bit of a breakdown after the late-night game on Saturday going into the pregame show with Sam Levitt on Sunday for more Padres baseball. Then during the football season, as one of the resident football guys here at the station to break down the college football 
Saturday, preview the NFL Sunday. It'll be a fun time. So I'll be back on 8 to 10. Or, yeah, 8 to 10 on Sundays, starting this Sunday. So the question that was interesting that was posed by Jeff Gordon that's not the Jeff Gordon, even though he has Jeff Gordon's picture. Maybe it is Jeff Gordon. I doubt it. He asked the question in the YouTube chat, and I think it's interesting. I think a lot of people, a little little devil's advocate for the diehard Hassan Kim fans, which, again, I'm not hating. I'm just saying. I think a business decision needs to be made here with Hassan Kim over an emotional decision. But Jeff Gordon asks, and you can see in the YouTube chat, would you rather have Hassan Kim stay or be traded for a starting pitcher and starting outfielder and see Merrill start? Well, I don't really want to see Merrill start in the outfield, but I know Jeff is talking about Merrill starting at second base. Or maybe move Cronenworth there. Another possibility. A starting pitcher and an outfielder. I would much rather have a starting pitcher and an outfielder and move Cronenworth to second or have Merrill start play at second than have Hassan Kim. And I think it's a lot of different a lot of different things. As long as you don't go over the CBT, which I think is assumed here in this part. And as long as you don't have to give up more than just Hassan Kim and you get something good in return. Again, those two options, I'm all for it. It's trying to Ball on a budget. Padres are trying to ball on a budget. They loaded up their fridge. They got some good steaks in there. They got some good desserts. Might be ramen noodle on the side dish. They've spent all their budget on the main course. They didn't have enough for a solid side. So maybe it's Brussels sprouts on the side. I like Brussels sprouts though. But that being said, trying to get the most out of this for the Padres while staying under the CBT. You need starting pitching help still. You got top three for sure. You could really use another pitcher because it's going to need four to win in the postseason, and that's the ultimate goal. And I still think the Padres lineup, as constructed, can out-compete a lot of mediocre teams in Major League Baseball. You need an outfielder. You don't just need one outfielder. You need two outfielders. And I don't want to see Jake Cronenworth in the outfield, and I don't want to see Jackson Merrill in the outfield. And I don't want to see Graham Pauly out there to start the season. I don't want to see any of those guys roaming in the outfield. I think you can pass with Profar out there, although for a championship team, he's probably a fourth outfielder or a spot off the bench. I think you can do okay with Azokar out there. I think it hurts you in the hitting category, but I think that's okay. One person in the chat says, why not Merrill in the outfield? Because he's a middle infielder, and he's supposed to be a middle infielder on this team, so you can't put a square peg into a round hole if you're the Padres in eliminating his development just so he can play for the Major League Club, who, by the way, has not had a lot of experience in the minor leagues already. He's already being rushed to the majors. And with the Padres, one of their biggest problems in the last 10 to 15 years has been bringing players up too soon where they don't get the full benefits of those players 
as replenishing young players at the major league level that they have drafted and developed themselves. That is something that they want to go to. In order to do that, you have to give these guys the best chance at success early on in their career. Yeah, I know Tatis was a shortstop coming up. They moved him, but they let him get established in Major League Baseball doing what he does. He was also a phenom. There wasn't many ways to screw up. The guy was always going to be a star. Fernando Tatis Jr. and Jackson Merrill are two totally different players. You need to get Jackson Merrill reps and at-bats and opportunities to play every single day. And if his only way of doing that is playing in the outfield, keep him down in the minor leagues to develop. Too many times you've seen the Padres just force players up here. Because here's the other thing, too. As he's adjusting at a major league level to play in the outfield, it's the mental game and the confidence side of things. You want him to be as comfortable as possible when he makes it to the major leagues. Everything needs to be taken care of for him. Know how he warms up. Know what his pregame meal is. Know what his routines are. So when he gets here, nothing changes from how he prepared for a game in Lake Elsinore to San Antonio to El Paso. It's the same. As dumb as that may sound, that goes a long way. I've brought this up every year since 2020. The article that Kyle Glazier wrote about why the Dodgers are so successful, and that's part of it. Everybody in the Dodgers minor leagues do things the same way as the big league club does in terms of showing up to the facility, getting ready for the game, the schedule. To a T, same as L.A. And when those players get to the pros, everybody on the staff in the bigs knows what those minor leaguers need aside from those steps that is personalized for them to be ready to be, to be ready to be a team. So, you have to set Jackson Merrill up for success. Middle infield. If he's going to play on this team in 2024, it's because he is a starting second baseman for the Padres. That's how you need to view this. And if that's not the case, let him develop in the minors. He is one year away. He is still not at the point where he's going to make a major impact in 2024. The only way he progresses and is on this opening day roster or up at any point in time is because he's starting at second base because they need a starting middle infielder. It's the same thing with C.J. Abrams. C.J. Abrams has a lot of potential. C.J. Abrams with Washington starting to figure it out. But that was against starting the year with C.J. Abrams in the big leagues as well because he was coming off the bench or playing a position that wasn't his because it was filled in front of him. If he is not going to be playing every day in his natural position, at least at the beginning of his time in the major leagues, keep him in the minors. So that is my conversation on the Jackson Merrill situation. So yes, I would like I would rather have a starting pitcher and a starting outfielder 
over Hassan Kim. And you, if you could trade him to a team that is willing to re-sign him even better, you might be able to get a better return back with some teams that have outfield help or some starting pitching help. You know, like the St. Louis Cardinals, perhaps. You know, that might be one of the teams that might fit Hassan Kim, maybe in the future. You'll start looking for other teams that might have a shortstop issue, not necessarily a plethora of outfielders and starting pitching. So to answer Jeff Gordon's question in the chat, yes, I would take a starting pitcher and an outfielder over Hassan Kim for the year. That's a tough sell for a lot of Padres fans because of the fan favorite that he is, but you never know if you might be trading for another fan favorite. Fran Mill Reyes was a fan favorite for a long time. Not as good as Hassan Kim. But he was a fan favorite. And people were miserable when they traded Fran Mill Reyes to the Cleveland Guardians. And it worked out for the Padres. It's fine. You can't fall in love with baseball players if you want to be successful. And I get it. I get the fan favorite. I, he's, he's a good player. It's not like he's just the fan favorite that's not a good player. But from a business perspective, it's probably better off to trade Haas on Kim. Good interaction with the chat, though. Appreciate that. Good topic of discussion. A lot of different ideas getting thrown out for the San Diego Padres. When we come back, Aztecs got a huge game tonight against Colorado State. I'm going to let you know what's on the line aside from just winning a conference game. When we come back, Andy and Elston, I'm Braden Soprenit filling in. San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Andy and Elston on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. I'm Braden Soprenit filling in. Craig, a little bit under the weather. Annie is doing a lot around town right now, doing a great job of planning a major event in San Diego, which, by the way, if you've never been able to attend that or if you ever get the opportunity to attend the champion, Salute the Champions Dinner, it's a must-attend. I went to it a couple of years ago when Rob Machado was inducted in. Um, I was able to go with 97.3 The Fan. It was a great, great event. Uh, that Annie has put on for the last couple of years, and this year is going to be even even, even better than it already has. You've had the great memories of this event with Philip Rivers, you know, emotionally talking about San Diego. And, um, you know, this year you're going to have Eric Weddle being inducted. He joined us last week. He's a great guy to talk to. Think about Eric Weddle. Is he's just such like, he's just such a cool dude. Like, he just goes around, and he said it on the show, but I've, you know, I've had experience with this through some family and friends. But, you know, he's a head coach at Ranch Bernardo High School. He's turned down multiple chances at coaching in the NFL because he likes being here in San Diego. Obviously, he's got kids he's raising here in San Diego. Um, I think he's going to do a good job of, of getting Ranch Bernardo on track. Not to say that they weren't, but um, you know, he's he's gonna turn he's gonna turn that program in a place to be in high school football for sure. But I mean he's just he's just so cool in the community. He's not he's not about himself. He's about everybody else and, and enjoys, you know, being part of everybody here in San Diego. And you know, my my brother a couple of summers ago was working at Borden Brew in Poway. He was a uh they have a like at Borden Brew they have like because it is board and brew. I mean, there were he's not wasn't a bartender, but he was a beer pourer because they only have beer at 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 the board and brews. At least some of the select ones. 
Um, and so he was working the the bar or whatever, and Eric Weddle came in for his for his pickup, and my brother my brother got to talk to him for like five minutes about you know just the, you know the Chargers leaving and all this other stuff, and he was just so likable and approachable. You know, he's a little he's a little intimidating because you see Eric Weddle, like, oh my god, it's Eric Weddle. Uh, but if you just say hi, you see him around town. He's he's got to say hi back, and he will talk to you. I mean, he's a uh, he's the, he's that type of guy, and to see him get inducted into the uh, the Hall of Fame here in town is going to be top notch. I mean, he is he is a he's a real dude, you know, and and it's it's pretty cool to see him in 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 the new in the new in being honored at the uh, Salute to Champions dinner. So that'll be a great event, and he's put a lot of time and effort into it. I know it's going to go well for her next week, and so we've had a little bit of less time with Annie, but um, you know she's she's doing a lot right now. Um, behind the scenes all over the place. So a big thanks to her for for being part of our show earlier today. I want to talk about some college basketball. San Diego State's got a huge game tonight against Colorado State. If you look at the standings right now, the Aztecs still keeping pace with the top echelon of the Mountain West Conference. The two top teams in the Mountain West, Utah State and New Mexico. Aztecs have yet to play Utah State, but they'll play them coming up on Saturday, which will be a huge game. For the Aztecs to get back into, you know, the the lead spot of the Mountain West Conference, does that really mean anything in the grand scheme of things? If you're talking national championships, no. But in reality, in college basketball, if you win the conference outright in the regular season, I know you don't get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament is just strictly for the tournament to make the, the the conference tournaments exciting. But everybody knows who the best team is in the conference based on the outright champion. And San Diego State is fortunate enough nowadays, and talk about this 15, 20 years ago, the Mountain West Conference is a five-bid league. It might even be a six-bid league, depending on you know how Nevada-Reno plays and maybe this Colorado State team. But that, that loss that they had last week against Wyoming is a tough loss for Colorado State and their overall opportunity to make as an at-large bid. But they could get six teams in if one of those teams wins the conference tournament. But to think of the Aztecs now not having to go to Vegas and win three games in a row over a weekend in a conference tournament to make the NCAA tournament is great. And so it really puts a, a calming emphasis on the rest of the season here for San Diego State. They can't cruise. They can't just get there and, and, and cruise to the finish line. But the best goal for them right now is to try to win the regular season conference and prove that they're the best team in the Mountain West, which I still think that they are. I mean, tough sledding against New Mexico and Boise State on the road. You're going to have tough road games. They're even tougher now with the opponents. You're not going to ever get credit for it. I mean, think about the places that San Diego State's lost this year. Boise State's a tough place to play. Not a lot of not a lot of schools go in there and win. New Mexico at the pit. It's called the pit for a reason. Not only is it underground, high altitude, very difficult place to play. Not a lot of teams are playing that team. Not a lot of schools are signing up to go to New Mexico and play a non-conference game. San Diego State's got to do it in conference. The loss at Grand Canyon, same thing. That is a very difficult place to get a victory in college basketball that nobody talks about. They have like a cult following, and the basketball is the big show there at Grand Canyon. It's an up-and-coming school, getting a lot more kids to attend that school. They're trying to push with their basketball program. They've done a great job doing that. Another place that Power 5 schools aren't going to sign up to play, and San Diego State did. They've got a win at the Kennel. 
up at Gonzaga. I know Gonzaga is not what they used to be, but they're still really good, and it's still very difficult to win in Spokane. Something else San Diego State has done. So tonight they take on Colorado State. A Colorado State team that's coming off of a terrible loss to Wyoming. A loss in which they led by as many as 11 points with a minute to go, and they lost 79-76. After coming off a tough loss on the road to Nevada, 77-64, San Diego State can really probably put the final nail in the Colorado State Rams coffin for their season if they could go up to Fort Collins and get a W tonight at 6 o'clock on CBS Sports Network and basically eliminate them from Mountain West Conference play while still keeping pace with Utah State, New Mexico, who San Diego State plays on Saturday. They will play the Utah State Aggies for a major game in the West Coast Conference that ultimately is part of a insane college basketball week in the sport. If you like basketball, if you like college basketball, this is the week for you, the Super Tuesday level event tonight with so many big games that are ranked games throughout the country. I mean, TCU plays Texas Tech. That might be a little bit closer to my heart than most people, but you got Duke, North Carolina this week. You got Tennessee, Kentucky this week. I mean, the list goes on and on with the basketball games, and you got a great opportunity for San Diego State to try to climb themselves back into a top 25 spot with a victory tonight against Colorado State. The only thing that they can't do is overlook this game, which I don't think they will, to get ready for Utah State at Viejas, which will be on Fox. That is a major game on a major network for the Aztecs. Something they haven't had a lot of success with on the last couple Saturdays. It's been tough for San Diego State to win on a Saturday in national television. But those are two very important games for San Diego State. In terms of what is on the line in terms of the NCAA tournament. Again, I have had my fits, if you will, with Joe Lenardi this year. Most of them are personal about the Frogs, which is fine. Nobody cares but me. But if you beat two teams in the top ten in the same week and then lose two two games on the road in conference, one or one on the road in conference and one at home, also to a ranked team, you shouldn't go from being ranked to not even in the tournament on the evaluation from Joe Lenardi. He's got a science to it. I, I disagree with that science in this particular case, but the guy still knows his stuff. And what is on the line now, to go back to San Diego State, as it sits for the Aztecs, they are currently a five-seed going into the NCAA tournament, which is a lot of time to change, obviously. We haven't even started November yet. I mean, sorry, February. We haven't even started February yet going into March Madness and conference tournament time. But San Diego State five-seed potentially playing Richmond the 12, paired up with Duke as the 4, and Charlotte the 13 in Spokane, Washington, in the East region, which rolls through Boston. That is currently the established spot for the Aztecs right now. So anybody that's driving around listening, San Diego State, about how the year they're having, they're having a good year, they're 16-4, and four, they're 5-2 and two in conference, they're in a great, great position here to win the Mountain West, and if the season ended today, more more likely than not, they'd be around a five seed, which always leads to the question of, do you want to be a five seed in the East region where you have to fly to Boston for the Sweet 16, or do you want to be a six or seven seed in the West region where you could drive to Los Angeles for the Sweet 16? I prefer the West region, but 
you know, a five seed for San Diego State would be good. If they end up getting a four seed, they probably would get bumped to the West region. So that's that's huge on the line. This is all just kind of fun speculation, though, because it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter until you get to March. Teams that are last in the tournament right now, Memphis, Texas, Providence, Texas A&M, uh, last four buys, last teams in, Nebraska, Seton Hall, Colorado. Boise State is currently the last team in. So they're going to be playing for their lives in the next couple of weeks, and it's a big spot for whether or not San, whether or not the Mountain West will get five teams in the tournament or not. First four out, Villanova, Cincinnati, Washington State, and Gonzaga. I couldn't imagine an NCAA tournament without Gonzaga. Next four out, Oregon, K-State, Florida, and Butler. Five teams potentially coming out of the Mountain West Conference. I mentioned this in the open. I mentioned this in the open of this hour. San Diego State could potentially be playing in a conference this year that will get more bids than the ACC and the Pac-12 combined. As of right now, the Pac-12 and the ACC combined are going to get six teams into the tournament, potentially. San Diego State and the Mountain West are expected to get five teams in the tournament. I mean, I can't, I can't believe where the Mountain West has gotten in college basketball. It's great to see. Embracing basketball as a sport. You're seeing the Big 12 do that right now. With everybody circling around college athletics in football, there are some conferences... You know, not the power two with the Big Ten and the SEC, but there are some conferences that know that there's money to be made in college basketball. And you could go that direction and be a college basketball conference. And San Diego State is starting to turn into that. Big 12's already done that, and they're adding better teams next year with Arizona coming to town in the Big 12. The Big 12 basketball, I got to say, is just top notch. Watch right now. It's just top-notch watch. It'd be great to see San Diego State in that conference as well. But the battles I've seen in the Big 12 conference this year has been exceptional. Tonight's no different, as my TCU Horned Frogs will take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders at 4 o'clock on ESPN T. I'll be dialed to that. 15th-ranked Texas Tech, 25th-ranked TCU. Games in Fort Worth. I've already seen New York Mike try to pop off about the Red Raiders. I don't know if he has any affiliation with that or not. But New York Mike 8. Go Red Raiders tonight. I disagree. I will say Raider Red is a top five mascot in all of college athletics. That's another talking point for a different day. But big week in college basketball. Huge game tonight. Even bigger game on Saturday for the Aztecs. I mean, you can go through the slate if you want to see. But there are some great games in college basketball over the next week Starting tonight with Aztecs and Rams. You've got Texas Tech, TCU. Marquette's playing Villanova. Tonight, Oklahoma, Kansas State. Oklahoma State, Kansas. Utah State's in action tonight, too, for all of you that want a scoreboard watch in the Mountain West Conference. And then coming up on Saturday, Unreal Slate. Tennessee, Kentucky. Utah State, San Diego State. Texas, TCU. Um, going down the list, fourth-ranked Houston, eighth-ranked Kansas Cincinnati's out in Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. BYU West Virginia's tough. Duke, North Carolina, Iowa State, Baylor, and then Colorado State will host will will go down to Fresno State as we take a look at some of the ranked teams in action. That's all coming up on a very huge Saturday slate in college basketball. So it is downtime right now in sports, especially in America's finest city. 
Not a lot to talk about with the Padres. Not too much to talk about. Now with the NFL, there's only so much time you could spend talking about the Super Bowl for two weeks. We know what the matchup is. I don't know how much we can potentially spend on that. You got the Pro Bowl on Sunday. Eh. NBA midseason. NHL midseason. Still got a long way to go for both of those leagues. College basketball, standing a state. Got to get your sports fix. This is the week to do it. Tune in some college basketball. It's it's going to be awesome this week in the college basketball realm. I, I had a great time watching on Saturday. I wasn't supposed to be watching, but I had a great time watching on Saturday. Is that frowned upon? Is that another topic to discuss? What sports teams are you allowed to watch at a wedding? I know Adam Klug's probably watched his Falcons or some teams at a wedding before. I'm sure he has pulled out his phone and done that at least a couple of times. NFC Championship game against the Niners when they blew a massive lead. Definitely something worth But I'm not bitter. I could tell. Yeah, had to sit through a wedding for that. Maybe more of that talk when we come back on Annie Nelson. Braden Suprenant, 97.3 The Fan. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 